0: Welcome to 99 Problems But A Boss Ain't One, the podcast that solves your freelance problems one at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Michelle Pratt, and I run a personal development training and coaching business called Dive Deeper Development.
1: And I'm your other co-host, Katie Carlisle, and I am also known as the Squarespace Queen, and I do Squarespace web design and training.
0: And today we're going to be talking about the problem of being pigeonholed. So a few questions for you. Is what you're known for something that you're not passionate about? Have you become associated with a skill or a service, but your heart just isn't in it anymore? And is there a difference between what pays and what you'd really like to be offering? And if the answer to any of those questions is yes for you, then you're not alone. This is something that a lot of freelancers fall into. It's great to become known for being good at something and it certainly flatters your ego. But how do we become associated with stuff that we really, really want to do? So, Katie, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, have you seen this happen and and why do you think that might, might be the case?
1: Well, I think when you first start freelancing, we're just so happy to take on work and to get some clients and income that actually you might take something that wasn't originally what you planned to do, but you might still do a good job of it. And so then that person recommends you for that service and then you do another good job and then that person recommends you for that service. And all of a sudden you start to become known for the person who does that particular service well rather than the thing that you were focusing on originally. Um, To be honest, I kind of ended up being pigeonholed for Squarespace by accident, but it worked out well for me. So...
0: Um, yeah, that's yeah. Quite, quite useful when it, that happens that way, isn't it, Katie, when you get what you get known for. And I think, and, and it's fine if what you start off doing is what you really like. But I guess for a lot of us, we didn't really know what we wanted to do in the beginning. So like you say, we just took what paid the bills. And then if you get known for it, or if you get the income from it, you can kind of want to not let go of that source of income, because you can be so certain of it over a period of time. But yeah, over, over a while, when we don't know what we want to do, we may quickly find that actually are oh, Or even if it's something we enjoyed to begin with, you might get to the point, it's like, well, I kind of mastered that now. I'd really like to do something else. I remember um, before I went for self-employed, Katie, um, a trainer who trained me, got my first ever job. She's my induction training when I first started to work for a bank. She had just gone freelance. She announced she was leaving and she was going to go freelance. And we were like, oh, great. And she signed up with this agency and the agency are like, good news, we've got you work with another finance company. And she's like, oh, for the love of God, please. The whole point of leaving was to leave finance. Don't make me work in finance anymore. So I think they managed to find something else.
1: (laughs) But yeah, exactly, it's what you're known for. And especially if you're going from doing a different career to then doing something else in freelancing, it's hard for people in your network to get their heads around it, I think you know, we've talked about it before of like, how do you explain what you do to people? And that was certainly something I experienced when, you know, I'd, I've had more jobs than hot dinners, but so like, you know, I, first of all, I studied French doesn't mean a translator, but then I became a teacher and like everyone's like, oh teacher, that's a job we understand, excellent. And then I started working in sustainability and everyone was a bit like, something to do with the environment. And then all of a sudden, the next thing they knew, I was doing web development and they were like, OK, <laughs> what's happening? And so actually, if, if the people who are around you who are going to be your champions don't understand what it is that you're offering or why you've made that change, then it's really hard for them. So I, start, I, I still, even now, I still get some kind of some people in my network try and kind of foist more of the sustainability stuff on me. And I'm like, that's not what I do even remotely anymore. And it's really important to me. And it's kind of a thread that kind of runs through my work. But it's not, you know, I don't do sustainability education anymore. That's not my focus. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's hard. And actually, when I first started out, I didn't, I wasn't even offering web design. I was going to sort of stick with what I knew, which was being a tech support person for charities effectively so going in setting them up you know setting emails, making sure their systems were organized in a sensible way and they weren't using loads of software that they didn't need to be paying for you know updating their website creating micro campaign websites for them all of that sort of thing so there was a web element in it but I just happened to use Squarespace to make my own site because I'd heard of it and I wanted to play and then I started talking about it a bit. And then people started to know me as a Squarespace person, or Squarespace queen, if you will. And then that kind of spiraled from there. But yeah, even even then I did still use other systems to start, with. but because I liked working with Squarespace, I think it was just a better experience for people. Um, but yeah, what, what did you offer
0: in the beginning, Michelle? I think, um, I well, when I first finished uh, working at a bank, I used to have to be a jack-of-all-trades. So I used to be, I could do anything. I did sales, I did service, did diversity, uh, did some systems training, did some compliance. So I did a bit of everything, really. Um, but I had come from a finance background. So most of the work it was easiest for, me, easiest for me to get was more work in finance. And I was just about ready to really not work in finance anymore. But... Um, So that was an area I really wanted to work, move away from. And I think um, you get lots of either finance compliance training or finance sales training, and neither is really interest me. So I think you you say, Kate, you get that because it's what you did before. And I think when you're trying to set up on your own business, you need to be identifiable, I guess. So having a finance background that was easy for people to easy to say, okay, I do finance training and to point to that and put your finger on it. Um, and of course you need to be known for something if you want to get customers you've got to get known and so you get you 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 can spend years sometimes getting known for something but we meet a lot of freelancers who are like yeah that's what my business used to be but now I'd like to do something different but I'm only known for this one thing that I used to do how the hell do I get out of it and it's if you want to rebrand or retrain or branch out I think it can be quite tricky but in all the nice ways really I guess.
1: Yeah I had something similar to that in that I, I, I kind of ended up doing lots of little bits of support work. So someone who maybe already has a Squarespace website and they just wanted a few changes making to it. And after a few years, I really wanted to move away from that. And it was really hard because it was kind of, that That was, you know, people knew me as someone who who was good at Squarespace. And so they came to me, even though I didn't, I took it off my website, I never offered it as a service, but I still got inquiries from people who wanted that help. And it was really hard to say no. Um, a to the money and b just because you know they needed the help um and actually the funny thing was I I did manage to kind of cut it down but now I've started to come back round to doing it a bit more
0: but much more kind of on my terms so yeah it's interesting because I would take finance work again I really enjoy doing it now because I really understand the audience I can really see their problems really quickly and I can really suggest um you know ways of working which will really resonate with them so now I quite quite enjoy it but um, when i first first left i didn't really want to <laughs> didn't really want to' go go get get stuck into that again i just wanted to disassociate myself so this association and disassociation can be quite tricky
1: yeah i guess it's a bit like getting stuck in a cycle isn't it
0: yeah because you get recommended for things that you're known for like you say katie you get word of mouth you get recommended um therefore you get more of that work you like the money so you spend time servicing those clients and then the more time you spend servicing those clients the less time you've got to spend on branching out and finding new clients and your new niche and so on and so forth. I'm, I mean, I, I think for me, a lot of it is that you, you, you have what I call Obi-Wan Kenobi syndrome, you know, help me over your Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's like, you're my only hope.
1: And I know for <laughs> me,
0: I, I think in the past it, I think I think I genuinely um, it was a little bit of ego because it's nice to be needed, it's nice to be wanted, and particularly when you're new. I think um, it fla- it gives you a bit of self confidence when you might feel like an imposter. So when people reach out and say, "Help me," well, Obi Wan can I be your my only hope, or oh, but you're really good at this, or but I'm really stuck and no one else does it quite as well as you. Whatever, I mean, you've had that with your like you said, Katie, with your with your um, follow up, you know, with the cl- doing the the, the um, updates to people's websites as you were just describing there people have done that on you for sure
1: (laughs) and beyond I mean like
0: it's like I, I think there's a certain
1: there's a certain segment of my audience who is just so relieved to find somebody that can help them with technology that they then want me to help them with all of their technology and and so like I have fallen in the trap before where I've you know tried to fix somebody's emails and stuff and I'm just like no that's not what I even do like that I wasn't. I wasn't pigeonholed as email service, but I was pigeonholed as somebody who is like, you know, somebody who makes tech a bit less scary. And that is definitely something that I have to push back on. You know, I get it quite a lot with clients where if they're using another service that is linked to, that then kind of gets linked into the website then I have to be very clear at the start to say look my job here is the website and I will add this thing to the website and make it look pretty on the website as much as I can but it's your responsibility to manage this thing and set it up yourself like I've never used this platform before but I think there's an assumption that because I'm good with tech that I automatically know how to use all the platforms and actually I probably could figure it out but it's not what I want to spend my time doing so it is it is tricky, like you say, if you get so, I'm the same, I'm like, oh, I really want to help you. Yeah. But actually, I, you know, with the emails thing where I tried to help one of my clients with her emails, I ended up messing it up worse because I didn't really know what I was doing. And I said that to the start, I said, look, I don't really know what I'm doing. She was like, no, but you'll be fine. And then it wasn't fine. And I was like, and she wasn't mad at me because I'd said to her, I didn't know what I was doing. But I think now I just have to be much stronger and say to people like, I, you know, this is not something that I have enough experience in to do a good job for you, and I wouldn't want to, like, do But the problem is that it often ends up being them that are going to do it otherwise, and they're like, well, you're going to do a better job than me. And so it is still really hard. It is a conversation I've had twice this week with two different clients already about going beyond the scope of just the website stuff and helping with, their, with other things, and I just have to push back on it.
0: Yeah, it is. It's so tempting for the for the ego, for the for the sub story, for the money. Um, it's it's really tricky. So I I think um, yeah, I, I and you, I think. There's, there's a big bit of fear isn't there Katie so I think you can you can sort of hold back from coming out of your pigeonhole even though you might not like it or be in love with it anymore because you can be like well you know I'm so well known or I'm well established doing what I'm doing and I know I'm going to get the income but what if I dedicate my time to doing this different work and it doesn't have a market or what if I lose customers or what if I lose pay but In that scenario, you kind of want to lose customers. You want to lose the customers that are definitely what you don't want, and you want to attract the ones that you do want. And actually, you'll you'll bring money with you. I would have thought. Yeah, I think so. I
1: I I do understand that. Yeah, kind of transitioning from one thing to another. Like if you were an, an expert level and could command quite a decent amount of money. So then, if, if you're trying out something new where you're almost at the, you know, at the bottom of the rung again, and there's other people who are offering that service or doing that thing that are more established, it is scary. You know, like that's how I feel a bit about my training stuff that I'm doing at the moment. I'm doing an online training course, as in putting one together to sell. And there's tons of people out there that have got, that have had training courses for ages about Squarespace. And so. I'm a bit like oh okay yeah how do I fit into that market when I'm not established in the same way they are like I'm known for my training but I'm not known for the online side of it and stuff so no it is quite tricky so like how how are some ways that we can become associated with these other skills or these things that we want to kind of move towards rather than being stuck in being known for something else
0: yeah I was I think a tip I was given before I went from employed to self-employed was start talking about your new business before you set it up. Like share the journey getting towards that business with everyone that you speak to. So I was thinking about this. I was thinking maybe like some people go into self-employment by having a full-time job and then having a side hustle. So maybe you could treat your new direction as a bit of a side hustle alongside the full-time job and then you could just start talking it up right from the word go. And I I think that's what I would do, Katie. I'd start, because the best thing about that is if you already have clients, then you can start to put the feelers out with your clients and just float it as an idea. And they'd be like, well, I'm thinking of moving in this direction. And you can start to put the word out, which is great if they're interested, because... Um, They obviously will help you shape your product because they're a big fan of yours. But also if they if it's not a product they like, then and there's a bit of a change curve for them to travel through, then it gives them a bit of time to come around to that way of thinking, perhaps before you start to branch in your new direction. And if you start to tell your friends and family, they'll start talking about what you're talking about, too. So you've got a real opportunity to start talking it up before you make the change. That'd be one of my my tips, I think. But definitely get get the associations between you and the new skill out and about if you can. And I think as well, there's probably a reason why you're deciding to move away
1: from what you were doing before and move towards this other new business idea or this new offering. And so you've probably already had some conversations with people that have led you to believe that this is something that you could do as a viable business. So if you've already kind of started if you've already got people who are potentially interested, then just make sure that you're kind of you, leveraging that, you know. And if you can, if you can kind of trial what you're doing with those people who have expressed an interest in it, then you can then hit the ground running when you kind of fully launch it because you'll have that kind of portfolio or the experience or the testimonials that then kind of show people what you're doing. And I don't think the other thing to think is I don't think you have to throw the baby out with the bathwater so you don't have to have it you know to say like right okay on this date my previous business is then dead to me and i'm doing this new thing. It's a bit like you said michelle like treat it like a side hustle but you could just have them both kind of going in parallel and just see which one you test the water with the other one but have the security of that previous business i wouldn't say it necessarily would work like that every time because it might having this having the security of your previous business or previous offerings might stop you from being as brave as you need to be with the new one but it'll depend on your situation but I think that's the way that you can do it is actually have them especially if they're complementing each other um have them kind of running in parallel so I know somebody who um I've done some training with and she was she's kind of a photographer by trade she came to me because she started wanting to offer web design because quite a lot of the people that she was doing photography work for were set were wanting the photography for a new business they were setting up. And so a website goes hand in hand with that. So I've been helping her learn Squarespace and create Squarespace websites for her clients. And so she's sort of do, doing that. But then the photography work because of the COVID stuff has dried up. And, so, and she's not quite established enough with the website work to make that into her kind of full business income yet. And so now she's also starting a VA business on the side of that, because that's something that also works well with the web design, so it can kind of feed into it. So actually all the three things, whilst they are different and she's known more for the photography side of it, she can kind of cross-pollinate them and she can, you know, you don't have to say like, okay, this is my photography. You know, if you're on social media, this is the photography, I don't talk about anything else you know, the photography can link to the web stuff and the web stuff can link to the VA stuff and vice versa and get it all, get it all around there. So I think, you you know, use what you've got, use the networks you've built up. And actually, even if your target audience isn't necessarily your existing audience, your existing audience probably still have an affinity with you. And they've probably still, you know, if they're following you on social media, if they're getting your newsletters, there's obviously something about you that they enjoy hearing from and it might be the very specific content but it might just be that they really want to support you and kind of champion you so you can always reach out to them and say look this is my new business venture it might not be right for you but if you know anyone that might be interested please share because they're going to be great advocates for you if they've worked with you or interacted with you beforehand
0: yeah, definitely, Katie. you were saying, like, maybe do a trial basis. And I think if you just aim for the first one client or two client, or depending on what scale you're working on, those those first few, get proof of concept. So I think I think it'd be tricky as well, because when you've been in business a while, you know what it takes to run a business, and you kind of want to start at the end. But at the, at the beginning, you, you started from zero, so you built up for the beginning. So you had to find your first customer, then your first few paying customers, and then you had to tweak your offering, and then you went a bit bigger and and i think it'll be overwhelming if you try to get your new venture to the same size as your current venture overnight there was a process so start small prove your concept and and like start spreading the word perhaps just in your, your locality and like i say start those associations and maybe put it on social media a bit as well um i don't know what your thoughts are on that katie like I suppose if you, if it, what your, if your new venture is very different, you might not want to put it on social media under your old brand, but I think it definitely pays to start putting your face and your new direction out there as well. Certainly, I think
1: for things like Facebook groups. So if you're in a particular Facebook group for one industry, there's probably a Facebook group for the new thing that you're focusing on. So at least you can start going in there where you're probably less known for your previous business and you can start talking about the new thing that you're doing I mean we're saying business but it could be a new product it could be a new offering anything which is a bit of a change and that isn't what you're currently known for go and find communities where maybe you're not known already and and sort of start chatting to them or if it's appropriate if you're in a group of freelancers for example and you're still staying freelance then why not use that group to share your new venture and get some feedback from it. There's no no harm, unless it's something that would literally be the polar opposite of your previous business, so you're becoming a competitor to yourself. Then I don't think anybody, you know, we're so used to people having side projects and new businesses and changing up their careers and stuff now, I don't think it's a taboo subject anymore to then say, actually, I'm sort of winding down this other thing and I'm now focusing on this or I'd like to be more known for this. How, you know, just ask people for advice because there's probably people who've started from scratch in that same industry that would be quite happy to share how
0: they established themselves yeah and you can start to really elevate the examples of where you've worked with someone in your new product or your new service start to bring those to the surf you could bring those to the surface quite subtly and start to talk less about certain things so almost by osmosis you can slowly start to steer your audience more towards the direction you want to go so you could do a a big launch which would work or you could do a very subtle uh shift in focus as well and that could that could work also and i think for me Kate, it would also be as well as telling people what you do i think it might be worth setting the boundaries with people about what you don't do anymore so I, I do know for some people we've come across they've had to quite literally say yeah i don't do that anymore and and i know as a customer if that is a service or a product you really like and you'd love to recommend that's really disappointing when your favorite favorite business person doesn't offer something anymore but um let's be honest i've got over it and i'm sure other customers would do too And also it's an opportunity for
1: you to help another freelancer out as well. If you can find somebody that offers a similar service to you, and maybe as in a service that you're trying to move away from, and they're a bit early on in their career, then get get in touch with them and ask if they'd like referrals. Because if somebody's asking you for some help with this thing and you're kind of not wanting to do it, it's much easier to say no if you can then say, but I've found this other person who can help you. And, you know, so then you can feel happy that you're still being able to help your customer or client and you're helping somebody else who's just at the start of their freelance journey. And a lot of the time, and we've talked, we we always talk about the power of collaboration. It ends up kind of paying dividends because they might have clients that inquire about a different element of the work that they don't want to do. So you might even be able to cross refer to each other as well. So I think that's definitely something to do. If you can find someone to be your replacement effectively, then... Um, that that I think works well
0: Yeah and uh, you start to slowly jettison off the jobs that you don't want to do so um, it is quite scary to, to lose the income, or but you've got to create space. And I think there is, a, we say you can also do it as a bit of a, a side hustle, but you do have to create space. And if you're being pulled into too many different directions, it can split your focus, it can split your energy and, and split your time. So I think it is worth definitely starting to say no, with the, no to the stuff that you absolutely don't like, that drains you, uh, that you find laborious and then that should help you create a bit of space for the stuff that you do like and I suppose that's a bold move but I think even just saying no to you know the clients or the jobs which really don't make your heart sing I think we've mentioned this before Katie there's an opportunity cost isn't there for every minute or every hour you spend on the old stuff 100% is an hour you can't spend chasing what you really want and really love so it's hard to balance in the reality of it but it is what needs to be done I think and I mean, I suppose the nuclear option it is just to totally rebrand. I mean, Katie, recently you, you had a change of direction in your business and you had a business name you've been using with your clients for quite some time. And then recently you kind of, I don't know, almost tempted to say niche it, it, but you, you picked a particular direction. And like you say, you've talked about some of the stuff that you, you don't do anymore. I mean, were you scared of losing your brand or losing that loyalty, I suppose? yes and no
1: so i guess yeah i I did go for the slightly nuclear rebrand option but but i'm not i wasn't kind of radically changing my service offerings it was more to be honest the reason i did it was because my old brand didn't reflect what i was actually doing now and so you know yeah i operated as the wheel exists for well, it'll have been seven years because it's about to be my business birthday at the time that we're recording this. So it's seven years that I've had it. And so yeah, I have built up a brand around that, but it just didn't feel like me anymore. And so for me, it was more of a risk to keep it just for the sake of having an easy life and miss out on opportunities that I could have had by choosing the brand I actually wanted. So I've known for about a year and a half what I wanted to rebrand to, which is Squarespace Queen, styled as SQSP Queen, so as not to be sued by Squarespace, but pronounced Squarespace. And so yeah, I, I kind of knew a really long time ago that I wanted to rebrand to that, because it's what everyone called me. And so I kind of was like, literally the people are telling me what my name is. And I am um, and then it became confusing because I was like, the wheel really exists, Squarespace Queen. And, and I would, so I'd always describe myself as that, but then it just became this weirdly like clashing elements in the brand. So for me, even though it was a bit, it's been scary and I haven't fully, fully launched yet. I'm doing it in like two days. It's, it, it felt like I just, I just started falling more and more out of love with the previous brand and it just didn't feel like me anymore. So it kind of felt like that was, almost the only option I had available to me. I have no idea if this is the right way or not. Um, But I've been talking about the new brand for about six months. So I've been, I've, I've, I've created, I've got two parallel websites at the moment. So I've got the old one and I've got the new one. And I've been doing, I've started to do some marketing but in quite a subtle way, like on Instagram and stuff for the new one. And I've started switching over some of the things to the new brand but I've still got a lot that still the wheel exists and I think to be honest it's probably going to take me another year to fully cast off that because I get people contacting me it probably could take even more than that you know I get people contacting me that I haven't heard from in three years and that's the brand that I'm known as so I'm going to keep it alive but sort of start kind of winding it down much more as of this month One of the things I'm doing as part of my launch of the new brand is actually doing sending out a survey to my audience so that's going to go to anyone in my newsletter anyone who's following me on social media and basically just ask them a bit about how they first came across me and what content they want from me and you know how they want it and how frequently they want it that sort of thing which is going to then inform how I talk about things and how much focus I put on Squarespace versus talking about my life as a freelancer and things like that and um, so I think a survey or some kind of engagement with your uh, with your kind of either your current audience or if you can reach your potential new audience just to sort of get sort of some feedback about whether you're kind of you know whether you're getting whether you're heading in the right direction so I basically on the survey survey I've put various different ideas for blog posts that I want to write. And I'm going to ask people to choose which their favorites are. And then there'll be hopefully a pattern will emerge and I'll kind of know if no one's ticking that box, then that's not content that I should be working on. So um, that's it's a nice way of sort of asking for help and telling people about the new brand, but without it being overtly selling at this point. So that's one of the things that I'm going to be doing. And yeah, just I think it's just a lot of explaining about about things and I'm going from one difficult to spell name to another and I did think about it but I just I've I've been too wedded to this name for too long now so I can't not be Squarespace Queen Um, so yeah it's it's, it 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 is scary because I'm like oh what if someone gets confused if they see an email from me from this and they don't know it's me or especially like with Squarespace themselves like they know me as the wheel exists and they reach out to me to ask my opinion on early releases and things like that and new features. And I don't want to lose that relationship that I've built up with them. So I'm like, okay, how do I like change this? So I think in some strategic places I'm going to change if I've got like the wheel exists as, as the sort of brand, I'm actually going to change it to my name instead of the new brand as a sort ah, of okay. hybrid point because yeah. people know me as Katie Carlisle, AKA the wheel exists. So, my name is the constant and i did think about just changing my brand to my name but i don't want to just be known for the website stuff because i've got lots of other side projects um and so that that's that's the thing that i'm doing is kind of if if i feel like it would be too confusing to just go from the wheel exist to squarespace queen i'm sort of in certain places i'm just putting my name because then i think people will remember that and then also and then i'm putting like and if there's ever an option to put like a little tagline or something then i'm doing that so yeah yeah, I'll I'll kind of report back as to how it's gone. Once we're maybe, you know, six months down the line, um, that can be another podcast episode that we do.
0: Yeah, but I like that idea of using your name in the interim. And I think that's a good point because I think, like I say, you are you are the brand, however you are positioning, whatever skill, whatever service, however you're describing it, the, co- the constant is you. So I think drawing on your name in the meantime as an interim is really good. But it's interesting to hear you talk about that because, like, to me, I thought that was already a done deal. So it's something you've been thinking out loud with me and with other people, I, it's got to be over a year, isn't it? It's got to be quite a long time. So it, it feels like quite a long period. So that's I, it, Yeah,
1: it's been about a year and a half since I first decided that was the name I wanted to use. And then in my sort of inner circle, I've been talking about it for probably about a year once I made the full decision to actually go for it. And then I've been so new clients now get taken on under the Squarespace Queen banner and almost don't even know that the wheel exists was a thing it's a bit logistically difficult with how I've got it set up with my email and stuff, but it just about works. It kind of holds itself together. Um, so some people, yeah, that, that's what I'm trying to kind of go towards is that, you know, onboard new people that don't know who I was even in the past. So I don't have any of that confusion. And then another piece of work reaching out to the previous people, explaining why I'm changing it. Um, and yeah, what the difference is to them, if anything, and, you know, a bit of work with old clients that are still, do work for every so often to be like this is going to be exactly the same experience you it's just a new name so, yeah. so um, for you, for you, one so- thing actually sorry go on. go on I was just going to say one thing just from a really practical perspective is if you're going to change business names if you are changing direction and you are kind of doing a rebrand if you've got any Bigger companies that you work for, and you want them to, and you want to invoice them from your new brand. Make sure you give them a heads up quite early on because that takes a long time for them to change. Like I work with universities, and uh, I've done a bit of work through the NHS and stuff, and like anything big like that, to get your name changed on their system is kind of almost impossible. <laughs> so like, either be willing to still kind of do that work under the old brand, even if it's the new service, or. Um, you know, get in touch with them really early on and start the ball rolling for the new business name because it might take a while.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good uh good tip, Katie. I think it's a really good sort of uh description of kind of what goes into that thought process, but also just how long you've been talking about that for and actually how the activity has ramped up over a period of time going back to talking about it very early on which i say if you want to and what occurs to me is that you'll make you you made those associations between you and what you want to be known for months maybe a year ago and i think just bit by bit when you talk about these things and use that new kind of messaging then i guess other people start to use that new messaging about you too and um yeah it just gets you where gets you to that point a little bit bit quicker but we see this a lot with freelancers we've got lots of freelance friends who have some well obviously very multi-talented very skilled people and sometimes we see them kind of want to drift away from what they've done or branch out into other skills areas that they've got as well and it's i quite enjoy hearing it i quite enjoy hearing what other really cool stuff they're capable of doing so sometimes it's just volunteering that information as as a starting point
1: yeah, and I think the other thing is, if you want to kind of add to your services but without taking anything away, that's that's a kind of another element of doing it. So, like, um, one of the one of our um, freelance friends, Anna, she started off as a conceptual photographer, and she does these really cool kind of like arty like yeah arty portraits and originally she wanted to do like book cover photography which you know we've talked about niching in the past you know it was extremely niche but she struggled to find enough of a market for that niche um and then she had this like secret illustration talent that none of us knew about. And then like we saw this kind of hidden Instagram account that she had where she does these amazing illustrations. So we were like, uh, you should be like offering that if you want to. So she started offering that a bit as well as, a, as a, an option. And then she's gone and done a graphic design course. And so she's got loads of graphic design skills now as well, like more to do with branding and logos and that side of thing and so we actually for her it's kind of actually it's it's sort of she's you know she's known to some people as a photographer and she's known maybe to some people as an illustrator but it's actually letting people know the whole package is available so one of the things she's working at the moment is like yeah how to kind of put herself across um, I think she says um, visual content specialist yeah. I think she was saying I like that because um, it's kind of something which because I wouldn't know what visual content specialist is but in the context she then says you know photographer, illustrator, graphic designer and I'm like oh, okay yeah actually that makes sense and now I understand what it means by that term
0: yeah and I quite like it because it's like, cause not wedded to one medium either like I'm not an expert so I wouldn't know whether photography would be better or illustration but actually yeah yeah and so I think that's her challenge that she's having at the moment is how to
1: get herself Known for the graphic design, which is the most recent thing that she's doing, and but still kind of leverage the stuff that she's known a bit more for in the past. So, um, I think that's another option is if you can, you don't have to, if you're doing a new thing, you don't necessarily have to completely go to the old thing, they can, they might sit side by side, or they might be totally different. I mean, I've had that question asked of me before, is if you know. Because we all want to be frugal and save money and it makes sense, it's that temptation. If you've got a business already and you're paying for the website and you're paying for the email and you want it to offer a kind of completely different service, it's really tempting to just be like, oh, well, I've already got a website. I'll just put it on there instead. And so I do get people quite often saying, you know, do I need separate websites or do I need one website and just kind of, you know, have a different page? Um, I think it does depend on the scenario, but. I think it's quite hard especially if it's different brand names to keep that brand consistency and to not get people you know not to make people feel confused and so I think you know if you are wanting to take your new venture seriously at some point you might have to forge a separate identity with it and create a separate web presence because otherwise your audience might get really confused if they go to your website and find that you know maybe they I'm sure I did some training for somebody who was a, she was a freelance editor. And then she also did something, it wasn't like tarot readings, but it was something like that. And it was on the same website. And and I, and I was sort of saying like, if you are gonna do that, you need to be really clear at explaining why these two things are in the same place and kind of link it back to you and find find even if it's
0: shoehorn find a common thread that ties them together and it might be your beliefs your values your your mindset yeah but you are the common thread yeah exactly yeah so it might be
1: something yeah like it could be so for me for a while i i mean i i always, i talk a lot about productivity and time management and habits and stuff like that and so for a while I had this sort of slightly separate bit of my website that was about speaking and all the speaking I do is pretty much around that subject. I don't, and freelance life and stuff. It's not around websites that most of my speaking gigs have been, but it was that kind of like, and as a freelancer, I'm passionate about sharing my knowledge that I've learned. And so it was that sort of, you know, it's, it's linked to me, even though it's not, and it's something that people who want a website might also be interested in, even if it's not exactly the same subject, because if you're you a know, business owner or a freelancer, then, you might be struggling with the same issues that I've been struggling with. What about you, Michelle? Any other tips or anything else from your own experience of kind of moving away from one area, going towards another?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm doing some work with a coach at the moment, really. And, um, I, and and so I'm sort of doing this a little bit myself, thinking about what are the things I probably want to emphasise. For me, it's not a radical shift. It's more sort of gravitating more to just a bit more focus on some of the things that I like doing and actually Maybe for me, it's the messaging that's changing and the focus as opposed to the products or services specifically, although there will be things that I I will rule out. But as I say, at the moment, I'm working with it. I've hired a coach myself. And whether you do this with a coach, whether you do this with a group of people, whether you just you're good at doing this on your own. I think doing that thinking like you say, Katie, you described your thought processes, how you've gone back and forth. This is the same. Is this separate? They sit together. Do I need a new website? Do I need need a new email? And I think that kind of thinking, really, Katie. You know, the why, what is the purpose? And one of the things the coach really helped me with is she says, "What is the impact you want to have on people after?" She said, "Forget the fact you know you don't know what that is yet, or we haven't you know we haven't done the specifics of it. But once you've done it and you've got this thing in place, what impact would you be having on people?" And she got me to go to the endpoint and really help me think think that through. So I think having someone to help you thinking, a support group, a mastermind, a workshop. Um, can really shortcut that whole process for you I think that'd be my tip what about you I think for me it would be just
1: if if we're going to say like yeah kind of one one tip to rule them all I think it would just be like talking about it to people like you know not necessarily like once once you've got to the point where you're clear on it yourself then just start talking about the new thing to people and start getting the word out there because things like you know how you how you do your kind of I'm going to air quote now elevator pitch you know how you how you introduce yourself if you remember when you first started your previous business or your previous offering it takes a while to get that right so the sooner you can start trying out different ways of explaining what you do and see what resonates with people before you kind of hard launch it I think the better so that'd be my tip
0: yeah I was yeah. speaking to a coaching client the other day and actually you know, when we started she was like well I've got this thing over here and I've got this part over here and I think that's it There's no good they've got to be separate they're just very separate and by the time we finished talking we actually realized they're really really related and she gets to get <laughs> Gets to integrate and she gets to to you know just and the integration came around to her at the end of the day they're just very cool things to her so um yeah you could it's easy to make assumptions about those things like you say Katie the more you talk about it other people might give you some feedback that just really you know that they, they can hear things about that which you can't hear which I think really helps That's a good tip
1: yeah and that is so true actually you know i was saying about you might need to separate it but actually yeah right you might need to bring some things together that could be another thing that you do if you want to kind of avoid being known for just one thing then bring them together so that people can then immediately see that you do both so yeah. that is a really good point yeah
0: my, my niece wants to be a scientist ballerina so uh good luck to cool. her for for bringing those together in the future. (laughs) Amazing, I love it. I would visit that website.
1: (laughs) Well, that's all we've got time for on this episode. But as usual, if there's any problems that you would like us to help with, we're on Twitter at 99problemscast. That's number 99 problems and then cast as in podcast and of course if you want to keep up to date with all of our future episodes make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and we'll see you next time for another episode of 99 problems but a boss ain't one